Hey, Coach Arlen here. What do Walt Disney, Andrew Carnegie, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and FDR all have in common? They shared one secret that propelled them to achieve remarkable success. They each belonged to a mastermind group. If you've never experienced the power of a mastermind group, now is your opportunity. Join my business success mastermind group today. New cohorts are starting soon. To learn more, go to ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. The Courage to Lead, episode 216. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Stephen Pemberton. Stephen Pemberton is a kingdom-led entrepreneur who has generated over $3 million in revenue on e-commerce platforms. His mess has become his message. His journey from losing everything in 2015 to a seven-figure business owner continues to inspire others daily. Stephen now helps coaches, authors, and business leaders get in front of their ideal customers to accelerate their impact through a system called challenges. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for people to, to not only hear about my story, but to hear the answers to these questions. I'm so excited to, to get into that <laughs> because I know that it's going to be off the wall. I have not, just for the listeners, I have no idea what he's going to ask me. So I'm really excited <laughs> to get into it. Let's see. Yeah, that's, that's part of the fun. Just, you know, off the top of your head. What yes. do you think about this? What do you think about that? All right. Well, let's go dive right into it then. Let's get into the 10 questions. All right. Um, and again, the listeners know these are the questions uh, asked on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Stephen, if you're ready, 10 questions. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Try. What is your least favorite word? Never. What turns you on? I'd probably say trying, like just trying. <laughs> what turns you off? People never willing to start. Nice. What sound or noise do you love? The sound of the ocean. Nice. What sound or noise do you hate? High, anything high pitched. Anything high pitched, I hate it. Okay. What is your favorite curse word? You see them a lot in rivers. You might see them as a dam. Okay. <laughs> All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Ooh. Probably business consulting. Okay. What profession would you not like to do? This is going to be funny, but e-commerce. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> We'll get into that later. I sure. Yes, I'm sure we will. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Well done. Good and faithful servant. Good job. Very cool. All right. Like I said, we're going to take a little break. And then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about how you got your start, how you got to where you are today, the people and everything you went through to get to where you are today, mm -hmm. the people you help, how you help them talk about your challenges program. Um, and at some point transition into courage and leadership. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. We'll talk about all of that and more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Stephen Pemberton. Steve, thanks again for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on here. So let's talk about growing up. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Nice. Very cool. I'm from it. Well, 
I say I'm from Atlanta. I'm not. I grew up in Los Angeles, moved to Atlanta, and I'm kind of from there. Um, but yeah, we've been up in Chattanooga a bunch. Love it up there. Wow. It's very nice. So growing up as a kid, did you know that you wanted to be a seven-figure entrepreneur? No. So the way that that looked was as I was growing up, I grew up in a middle-class household and both of my parents, that was their dream was to be middle-class. They grew up in a state where they didn't have enough. I remember my, my dad just telling me stories about how they basically were on the border of just being poor. There was things in my mom's past where they didn't have a lot of money and so for them, the dream was just to have enough, like just oh. a middle-class life. So I never had this aspiring dream that of being this, but what I found, which was interesting and for anyone listening is I would like you to lean into this part is no one ever told me about this, about what it could be like about business. Honestly, when I was growing up, my, my parents always told me, especially my dad, about how rich people were evil. And, you know, if you have money, then you're just a corrupt person. And if you have a lot of it, you had to be corrupt to get it. Right. And I just remember, and it's funny because I've said this before, but I was actually playing a video game and it was called Need for Speed. And there's, I was sitting there driving this Lamborghini in the video game. And in this video game, they had a mansion on the beach. And I said, I'm going to have something like this one day. Now preface, I do not have that right now. But I, when I saw that, in this video game at a young age, I think I was maybe 10 and I saw it. I just knew that there, it was possible. Like at that time, I didn't know why I thought that that was something that I could do. No one ever told me I could, but I thought if other people are doing it, then why can't I do it? And that just opened my mind to at least exploring it. Nice. So how did you get started in it? What, what was it that caught your attention that got you into the e-commerce stuff? So really what got us in the business and I say us, because my wife was the one who who led us in both directions when it came to how I got into business at all. Because I grew up in a I grew up in a house where it was like, hey, you go get a job, you go to college, you go through college, and then after that, you go get a good job, and then you just stay in that job until you're like eighty and die a year later or something. But, exactly, exactly. But I remember I got married in twenty thirteen. Make sure I get that right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you want to go back and think about that or is that 23? Are you sure? Huh? You're sure. 2013? I'm positive. Okay, good. Good job. That's my final answer. Yes. I'm locking it in. <laughs> <laughs> but I I just remember we got married very young. I was 20. She was 19. Our son was already on the way. So our son came along six months later. And so my wife said, hey, I want to stay home. And I said, Okay but I'm making $13 an hour. So I need you to figure out something from home to generate income. And so she actually joined an MLM. And as she was in this MLM, I just watched her work so hard. She grew her Instagram following from nothing to 10,000 people. And i watched her actually start bringing on clients. Now, not a lot, but I just watched money start coming in every month from that. And being young, I was not the smartest, but I thought, hey, you know what's a great idea? I'm working. I'm bringing home most of the money. You're bringing home some money. So if I quit and come home and work with you, then we can really grow this thing. And it did not go that way. But that mm -hmm. was my first venture into business. And what, what looking back at that time, I used to blame everyone else. Well, I didn't get the right training or nobody warned me about this and, and all of those different aspects. There is truth to it, but it was not anyone else's fault but mine. I made the decision. And I remember after making that decision and losing everything that and being in the basement and just absolutely hating my life and being depressed, I never wanted to be in business again. I thought, okay, my parents had it right. So I'm gonna go find me a good job and I'm just going to stay in it. And so I ended up in corporate for five and a half years. And then 2018, my wife was, she starts Amazon with actually doing it with my mom. And she had asked me if, if I thought it was a good idea. And I told her no. I said, that's a terrible idea because I wanted nothing to do with business. I was finally in a position where I could take care of all the bills. i had been promoted up a few times. And so I was like, I don't want anything to jeopardize what we already have. And she did it anyways. And so when she did it anyways, I was super unsupportive. I was not a great example of a husband at that time mm -hmm. until there was one day, because I just, I, in my mind, I thought, how can she not see that I'm working 14 plus hours a day? I'm the main breadwinner. How can she right. see that? Why is she doing this? And then one day I woke up 
And I, and it really was just like this. I woke up and I looked over and my wife had her laptop in the bed and she's working. And then I remember coming home that night after 14 hours and she was in the bed working and I go, she's up before me working. She's staying up after me and working. I have no excuse to not support her. And that's when I started picking things up around the house, as far as chores go, as far as parenting goes because of our son. And that's when I watched her transform going from someone who was super introverted, scared of everything to within a year, growing it to a million dollar business. And, and for everyone listening, yes, it's, that was great money nice. revenue wise, but not profit wise. Yeah. And we can talk and there about is that. a big difference, huge big difference, difference gigantic and, difference. And profit, yes. And, but that is how I got my start. And so I was incorporated with her as she was doing this. And I got to see all the intricacies of that. We actually went to a conference at the beginning of 2020 to help scale that business and we were basically revamping everything. And then that's what led into 2020, me leaving my job and stepping fully into the business then. Nice. Very cool. That's you a guys long still have the, Yeah. You guys still have the Amazon business? <laughs> no. So after so after I quit my, my job in June of 2020, two months later, Amazon actually shut us down. And hmm. they shut us down because we were using a supplier that we bought. This is the first time I actually showed this. But we bought into their mastermind because they had been doing Amazon at a high level for a long time. And part of their mastermind was we will actually help you get product and wholesale products. So we bought wholesale products straight from them, sent it in. And then we got shut down because they didn't actually have the right paperwork. And we didn't know that. Mm. So after we got shut down, Amazon held all of our money, like $58,000 they were holding. Wow. That's a lot. Wow. And this was after I just quit my job. So we had no income. And we were living off off of the savings that we had. And I had pulled my 401k. I pulled everything mm. just to make it, just to help us get to this point. Ouch. Exactly. And so we were two months away from losing everything. And I just remember my wife was on her phone and she saw Facebook Marketplace and just saw how some a product was posted. And she said, Stephen, I think this is a model that we used to do on Amazon. Do you want to just try it? And I said, yeah, we can try it. But we only got a month left. And she said, okay. And we did it. And within the first month, we made enough to pay our bills. Nice. By the end of the year, we made it. We made enough to be able to help 33 underprivileged kids have Christmas. Within six nice. months, we were making $100,000 a month, more than I'd never made working in corporate. And then by the end of 2021, that turned into a million-dollar business. We were able to help 137 underprivileged kids have Christmas. And then that's when, a few months later, in March of 2022, we ended up pivoting into what we do now. But yes, no, we are no longer in Amazon and it was just so much volatility, something that most people don't realize. I was speaking with a gentleman earlier who he is actually a professor and mo in business. And a lot of his students say, I'm going to start an Amazon business right. and it's going to make me a million dollars and I'm going to be wealthy forever. And it's like, you just don't understand the background. Right. You don't understand all the intricacies of e-commerce and the waves you have to ride to be able to have success. And then there's sure. times where you don't have success it just gets very volatile. And that's just my advice to everyone is just really look into yeah. why do you want to do it? If it's yeah. just for money, you're going to burn out doing yeah. it because it's going to wear you down. Exactly. I mean, making a million dollars in, in Amazon, it netted and actually brought home a little less than a hundred thousand. Then we had to split it two ways and then we had to pay taxes. And so we, we made less than I made working in corporate. Yeah. And then on top of that, we had six employees and we are, it was 19,000 transactions. Wow. And you just got to think that's a lot to not bring home a lot. Yeah. Well, they make it sound so easy. Yep. You open your, your Amazon store, you know, you, you stock it, they handle everything for you. They ship things out and everything like that. Your hands off, you're just raking in the money. And yep. that's, that's not the way it works. No. Wow. That had to be tough to see your wife start a business and then everything kind of fall apart. That had to be tough for you guys. You're oh, still yeah. young, you know, so young. And you talk about living in a basement. This was not like a, you know, 2000 square foot oh, no. right, basement. No, it was a, it was a, a, I'm trying to put this lovingly, but <laughs> it was not a very nice basement and it, they did not have any pest control. So there were spiders down there because they were out in the middle mm -hmm. of the woods being from Tennessee, you get those wolf spiders and those things are huge. And I just remember them being the size of head crawlers off of aliens. Wow. And I, and it was just, it was terrifying for a couple of different reasons. One is I, I do not like spiders. And two is I have a very young son. Yeah. 
at this moment, he's six months old. And so at that time, I'm sitting there having to like in this basement where we don't have any income because my wife feels like a failure. I feel like a failure. The the MLM we're in, we just gave it up. Did, I was working odd jobs to try to pay the people that we were living with because they couldn't afford to keep us. And just to, I remember going to Walmart and getting the clearance carrots and pureeing them to have, to give food for my son. Yeah. It was just a, a whole thing. And then especially as we stepped into like Amazon and Amazon basically did something similar where mm. it, it, and it what was so crazy. And I, I've, I rarely talk about this, but I just remember leading up to it and we were switching over. We were doing wholesale and we were doing some online arbitrage and we were doing pretty well with it, but we were, taking every dollar that came in and just reinvesting it into the business to scale it as fast as possible. So when Amazon shut us down, we had no reserves. Like we were just out of business immediately. And with that being said, is it, it hurt me, but I just had this odd belief that it would come back any day. And for her, she was just devastated because that was her, her second child. Right. She had put everything into it for a year and a half, just for it to just go away in the, in the midst of a moment. We just yeah. woke up to it one day and it was, I think it was shortly after our anniversary. It was, a, it was just maybe a couple of days after our anniversary, it just was gone. Wow. And how long did it take for you to get your money out of Amazon? Eight months. Wow. And that was with hiring a team. So we hired a team about two months later. So once we started working on Facebook, Instagram, and Shopify, and that was generating income, we hired a team to get this 58,000 back and it took them. So six months from that moment, it took them six months to get that back. So that's, yes. So just think about that. That's a long time to have have $58,000 just held up. And it wasn't just 58,000 that was just held up. It's like, oh man. So we actually had the inventory sitting in our garage. So you have them holding your money. You are holding this inventory. I know know based off the calculations, we probably lost $110,000 in those few months just waiting on them to give us our money back to sell through that inventory. Wow. That's crazy. And hiring a team means you had to pay that team to help you get that money back. Yes. So you didn't even recoup all of it. No, we didn't even recoup all of it. Yeah. Wow. That's awful. So you lost everything in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have to declare bankruptcy at that time? We we ended up, do, so what ended up happening, we did declare bankruptcy, but not then. So in 2015, we were able to get ourselves out of that hole whenever I stepped into the corporate job. But what ended up happening is we did this, radical mindset flip where it's like we had been in scarcity so long that we're just like, Hey, we, we only get to live this life once. So we just, we eaten out every meal. I had a, we lived in this tiny shack on the wrong side of the train tracks. Like it was when the train would go by, you couldn't have anything on the windowsill. It would just fall off. But, and it was ugly and disgusting. And for some reason I thought it was a great idea to go buy a truck that the monthly payment was more than the house just because I was trying to impress everyone, trying to show everyone, like I made it, I made it out of the basement. Like I've done all this. And what ended up happening was because of all that accrued debt, we, when we did have opportunity, which was to move from Tennessee to Texas to get promoted, we, we were just like strapped every single week. We barely had enough to get the groceries. And after we moved one more time and I got promoted, I got promoted with enough extra on top that I could, I could just file for bankruptcy and get out. And that's what we did because it was just eating us alive. Like there was no way at that moment with the skill sets we had that we were just going to be able to work that off. It was going to take us years. And so we ended up declaring bankruptcy then. Yeah. That was probably 20, 2019, 2018. Yeah. Been there. It's not, it's not fun. No, it's not fun at all. Um, so how did you how did you come back from that? I mean, how how did you turn things around? What was it that you said you you were able to pivot to get into this this new area and stuff like that? How did that come about? So the way that that came about is when it so which one? So the one we're in now or the one yeah. where we switched over to Facebook? Well, the one you're in now, the the one that, okay. that you guys are taking off now. Yeah. So the way that that came about was we had skill sets when it came to we were already doing two different businesses. We we're actually doing three at the same time. One of them was the e-commerce. That's the one that we grew the the furthest, fastest and largest. And then we were also doing e- Airbnbs. We had two of them in Nashville. Then at the same time, we were running challenges. So we felt led to run marriage challenges 
to help married couples. So that's what we did. And through those, watching it go from zero people to 100 people in a matter of three months, actually watching people show up, interact in this group, and us be able to share and people be interested in what we had to say, I just realized that there was a power in that because not only was people, was I able to garner a skill set in marketing because I actually was able to figure out how to get people in through Facebook ads. I also was able to share and add value and these people were getting helped with the value. So it just made me encouraged knowing that. And then we also had the, we we're garnering skill sets and how to build out landing pages through funnels. And that's when I realized because of the impact that we were able to make through e-commerce, that's where I felt fulfilled helping those kids. And I just thought, you know, what would really be impactful if we can help people that are helping people. And so that's what it's been is ever since we made that switch is just finding those right people that are helping people and just helping them help more people has been the most fulfilling thing. And in a real practical sense, from a business standpoint is to make it less woo woo is from a practical sense is switching it from a low ticket offer, which is e-commerce to high ticket. So now it's higher ticket. My margins are insane, comparatively speaking. So it's it's been a win-win in that aspect. So tell me about challenges. How does that work? So challenges in a nutshell is it is basically a virtual seminar for five days. And okay. what that looks like is whoever it is, let's say it was you, mm-hmm. you would come into a Facebook group that has your ideal people in it. You are sharing value for 45 minutes to an hour a day for five days. You're just, you're the hero and the guy to that story. So you're saying, hey, this is the thing I found. This is how this thing helped me. Now, let me show you how it can help you with these steps. And then by the time you get to the end of the week, you're doing your offer drop. Like, hey, you can take the the, the skills, the advice, the value I've given you, and you can go make it happen, but it's going to take you X amount of days, X amount of months, years. Or you could join with me and we can go further faster. Nice. And in a very tech side is like, for us as we, we just saw a need in the market. We've seen other people consulting in this space, mm-hmm. but nobody else that I've seen that actually does all the tech and the consulting. I mean, we we set up all your Facebook stuff on the front end as far as ads go, as far as how to get organic outreach. We set up the Facebook group. We're setting up the all the funnels. We help you with your days. That way you can structure it in the right way. We help you with your back end offer. We do it all just so we can make it the simplest for that person to feel like a keynote speaker. I don't know about you, but I've never seen a keynote speaker have to come in early and set up the curtains and set up the stage and set up the lighting and make sure their sound works and do all that before they speak. The only thing we ask of our clients is that you help us structure your, you help us help you by structuring your days. And then every now and then as I'll have them do a VSL, like a video sales letter. But besides that, I, we don't ask anything else of them because I want them to be there's so much on their shoulders just showing up and sharing right. already to make sure that they're helping people. We just want to make it as simplistic as possible. And so do they have to come in with that product they want to sell or with the content or do you help them work that out too? We can help them work that out too. Typically it's people that already have one because it's someone that has already generating an impact. It's something that they know is working right. and something that they, has been proven in the marketplace. So I'm about to completely... Instead of just build myself up, I'm just going to completely give good information here. So if you have an offer that you have not tested is do not invest in something to get it out there at scale yet. Organically, like don't spend money until you or can organically find one to five people that actually want what you want or want hmm. what you have. Because yeah. once you know that it, there's a need in the marketplace and it's actually being filled by what you have, once you start stress testing it by having at least five people in your program mm-hmm. and, and they them pointing out the flaws as beta testers, hey, sure. this is really good. This is bad. This is good. This is bad. And you fix that, then you can step into a program similar to what we're doing. You can go further, further, faster, and everyone can get help. Nice. Very cool. So uh, you talk about helping coaches and authors. Who are some of the folks you've talked, you've helped with the So challenges? a big one is Pascal Bachman. If you look up Pascal Bachman, he owns like the first four pages of Google. He's been on Forbes, Entrepreneur, uh, MSNBC, Good Morning America. He's been around the world as a keynote speaker. He's the biggest one that we've helped. And he's been the most exciting because you would think someone like him who's made over 20 million a year, helped tens of thousands of people, one-to-one coaching, that he would have all this figured out. But he doesn't. And that's something that I want to speak to everyone is don't be intimidated by anyone. Sure. If you have a skill set, don't be intimidated. Like even me, 
you can hit me up on LinkedIn. You can hit me up on Instagram. I, don't be intimidated because I'm just a normal person. Even Pascal, he's just a normal guy. And it's been incredible to hear his knowledge. And most people are willing to just share their knowledge yeah. because for him is his story is just a very sh- short snippet is he came into this country with no, no green card, had to wait. He couldn't work. And so he was able to build his brand in the dark. So when he did get his green card, his business was an overnight success as most people would see it, right. but they don't see the 18 months that he was in the dark. Yeah. And that's, that's why it's like, he wants to help people get past that mindset of you just have to have everything right. He said, I was moving when I couldn't do anything. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I was reading something the other day. Like I said, you know, uh, the first time I wrote a book, it sucked. The first yes. time I got up to speak, I sucked at it. Right. It, it, we all start off bad. You just keep going, Yeah. you know, by doing more, you learn more. So. Yeah. And that's what I, the very first question is what's your favorite word is I would say you try yeah. because most people are just afraid to try. Yeah. Like just try. Because even for me, I grew up in such a way where I grew up almost a perfectionist, the way that my parents had handled me at a young age, mm-hmm. where I thought everything had to be perfect. I was making straight A's. My room had to always be clean. Yeah. Everything had to be perfect. My parents were military. So that kind of played into it. But with that being said, is I, it, it scared me from trying. So there were so many great ideas that I had at a young age that just died. That could have been something. So don't let a great idea die in your head because you're afraid of trying. Just try. You may get out there and it, and you may absolutely suck. You probably will like, just be prepared to suck for the first hundred times. Yes. At least, you know, yeah, but it's okay. And especially like when I first started doing reach outs, there was a guy literally blasted me for me reaching out to him. And I told him, I actually, my wife went behind me because I was ready to just light this guy up and report him and block him. And my wife went behind me and messaged him and just said, Hey, this is my first time reaching out. So just like be gentle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he was, he came back around and he apologized. Oops. And then he said, Hey, if you want to get help on this, this is someone I would suggest. But even the people who are mean to you just realize that, that it's not for you to hold that. Right. Like there that's, that says something more about them than you. Because you are trying, you're out there actively seeking. Now, if you're going out there just cussing people out saying, hey, buy my crap, maybe that's on you. But (laughs) if you actually are being genuine and you're trying to just add value and help people and people are blasting you, that says more about them than you. Absolutely. So you have to be willing to try to get better. And then once you get good, that is when things get fun. But you're never going to get good by just sitting on the sideline. I'm never going to be good at basketball just by watching the NBA every night. Exactly. You actually got to get on the court and shoot the ball and then miss at 10,000 times to actually get good. It says people always say, I've heard this from a, from a young age that it takes 10,000 hours to master anything. Right. So you have to put the time in and by putting the time in, you have to try. Absolutely. Good job. So tell me about um, the kids Christmas. How did you get started with that? Helping out the kids. So this was something that my cousin had been doing. So it was actually a family member. He had been doing it for a number of years before, probably about three or four years before. And it started with one kid and then it worked its way up to, I think, where he was helping 10 at a, at a point in time. And then when I came on board, when we came on board in 2020, that's when he felt led to scale it up. Nice. So we scaled it up to 33 and it was supposed to be 30. We got blessed with three more and we had the funds to do it. And then when we were actually delivering it, so this wasn't just donating, like this was actually us going and buying all the presents, finding all the kids, wrapping all the presents, taking it to the kids. And so when we were actually dropping them off at the classroom, so this was through a a school, local public school, Mm -hmm. we were dropping off the presents and my cousin and I turned to each other and we just said, next year will be a hundred. And it turned into 137. So crazy because Mm we, and what was so wild was all the money we had put in because we had put about 37,000 in no 27, 27,000 in, let me get it straight. And then we were short. So we were trying to figure out, okay, who do we cut? Because the way we were doing it was it was 300 per kid. Okay. So that's 150 for clothing, 150 for toys. And so we were saying, okay, we can only help 75. And I, and I just remember telling them, I was like, no, this money will come. It'll come in exactly when we need it. And we're going to be able to help a hundred. And through his local church, his local church just said, hey, if you guys want to give an offering for it, do it. And we were just expecting maybe a thousand because nobody knew us. Nobody knew anything about this. And he went to go pick up the check and he called me in the parking lot crying. And he said, dude, they they just announced it. They just gave me the check. It is thirteen thousand dollars. Wow. So we needed ten. 
We nice. needed 10 for it to, for all the rest of the kids to be helped. And we ended up getting 13. So we were able to scale it to 137 instead of just a hundred. Awesome. And that was such a, a crazy ordeal because it, we, like, we actually had funny. You said 2000 square foot basement because there was somebody in his small group had a 2000 square foot basement and allowed us to use it to just store all those kids presents. And so we had to come up with an entire spreadsheet and systems and just like a business yeah, to be able to keep everyone's stuff know what's come in, what hasn't come in, what do we need to return? How do we need to get stuff in? Where are we going? What's the most, what's the the most logical route to take all of it. Wow. And it was just such an incredible experience to be able to do that with him uh, a couple of years ago. That was in 2021. Very cool. And then in 22, we weren't able to do that since we moved to Oklahoma, but we actually were able to partner with a local church that did something very similar. And we, we were just blessed to be able to be in that space and be able to do that with them. Excellent. Very cool. Going to do it this year too? Yes. So nice. we'll probably just keep it with the local church. And again, it's just because not only because we moved, there was some stuff happening with my cousin where he was supposed to step fully into it and he didn't, he decided to go a different route. Yeah. And because of that, I just never felt comfortable. There, a lady asked me this question today. She said, do you give a, a, a piece of profits to that organization? I said, no, because he's not fully invested. And so if he's not fully invested into this thing, I would be remiss if I was putting my money into something that I didn't know if it was actually going to be used to serve those kids. Right. Yes, he did it in the past, yeah. but just because he did in the past does not reflect once you start scaling, if that's the same way it'll be. So True. that's why we just decided to keep it local, something we can keep eyes on, make sure it is going where it's supposed to go. And on top of that is we love to volunteer. We'd love to be hands-on. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. I love stories like that. So let's talk about courage. You know, a lot of the stuff that you've been through, the failed businesses, you know, the losing everything, declaring bankruptcy, all that stuff would knock most people off their feet. Mm -hmm. You found a way to get up and keep going. Talk to me about that. Where'd you find that courage? That's a great question because for that, especially the time that was spent in the basement, most of the days I didn't, most of the days I didn't find the courage because I was in this space of depression. I was in the space of just being like, oh, this is it. This is this is all that's this is my entire life. And in those moments, it was just remembering why I existed, remembering finding something. Honestly, I was watching YouTube and I was just watching people play video games and get scared playing scary video games. And it made me laugh. And that's what kept me going in that mm -hmm. moment. It gave me something to hold on to. It made me realize that there's more to life than just darkness and depression. I wasn't dark and brooding like Batman all the time, but whenever I stepped into, and then what, when I finally stepped into corporate, it was, I'm all in. And that's been my motto ever since is that if I'm given the opportunity, I'm all in, I'm not halfway in halfway out. I'm all in. And I went in and I, and this is where I built the mindset that's carried me even till today was in that corporate job because I stepped in, it wasn't just behind a desk. I was in a warehouse picking product up, loading it on pallets, loading it on trucks. And that was on average when I started 16 hours a day. One day we worked 21 hours straight. And I just remember the person that they partner we partnered me with to train me, he just cussed me out every single day. Like he cussed me out, told me how terrible I was. He said I'll never make it. And I I I told my wife, I said, I'm gonna quit. Like I was I was day three in. I said, I'm done. I'm gonna quit. And I just remember looking at my family and realizing I couldn't, there was no option. There was not an option of, Oh, I don't feel good. So I'm just going to quit. It's like, no, I have to show up. They need me. And so I went back in and I just got cussed out every single day. Mm -hmm. And I remember this guy eventually one day, I'm just like broken. I'm busted and disgusted at this moment. And he just looks at me and he says, you have a family. I said, yeah, I have a wife and son. He said, and he looked at all the other guys who were there and he said, Oh, he'll stay. He said, Oh, he'll stay. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I just remember I picked up this mindset where as I started trying, my goal was to just be better than him. Yeah. And then once I got better than him, then it was like, okay, I want to be better than the top guy. And then once I was better than the top guy, it's like, I want to be the best I can be. And, and what that meant was, okay, I'm going to tell the boss I can come in early. Let me learn the, let me come in early and learn. Let me stay late and learn. And I became the best I could be. And I just consumed every bit of knowledge I possibly could. And it, it taught me that no matter what's going on around you, there's certain things that you just had to put a bigger value on than just yourself. At that moment in time, I was thinking of my family. That was my bigger why. Now that I'm in business, it's people. 
wealth is great, but wealth is not the highest form. Money is not the highest form of wealth. People are. And so when you look at people that way, you realize that you are remiss as a human if all you do is just care about you. So that's why I'm building a business in a way that structures it where, yes, I'm serving the clients. Yes, I'm getting paid. But the people who come in with them are getting served at a high level, too. I want everyone to win. And I want it to be in integrity. And that same mindset of just almost being like just being locked in at all times. Hmm. And that's just being all in is the mindset that's carried me through. That's given me the courage to go forward. And when I was in management, there were so many times that things would happen that no one knew how to fix. And instead of just curling up in a ball, instead of just crying, like I wanted to, I knew that those, that those guys, cause it was a team of all guys that they were looking to me. So I could not, I could not just curl up the way I wanted to. I had to grow in that space. And again, it just all comes back to trying because the first time I did it, I didn't do it well. But once you've once you've put out your hundredth fire for the week, you know how to put out the next fire. Right. And even if the next fire is huge, typically you have the knowledge base off of all the other fires you put out to say, OK, this is how we're going to take out this one. And and that's just my encouragement to everyone is going back to what we said earlier is just just try and fail often because trying and failing often. It's almost like it, it, it really is where you are growing and it's, it's, it's similar to going to the gym. As you go to the gym, you're breaking down that muscle and it grows back stronger. But it's not just through one rep. You have to put the reps in. Yeah. And that's the same thing when it comes to courage, too, is just pick yourself up and try and be okay if it doesn't work. And don't let anyone or anything tell you that you're worthless. Don't let anyone or anything say that you should stay depressed and in that basement of your mentality, because there's so much more out there for people. The richest place on earth is not the penthouse. The richest place on earth is the graveyard because there's been so many great ideas, so many great business ideas, so many people that were supposed to help people, so many authors, so many book ideas that went to the grave because of people being afraid. Exactly. So don't let anything hold you back from trying and failing and moving forward because there's great ideas in every single person. Every single person has something to offer. Sure. And that's just my encouragement is there's going to be days that it's harder than others. I get that. Oh yeah. But those are the days where you get to test your endurance. Very cool. Did you pick that up from somebody? I mean, did you have a family member or a coach in school or something like that where you you learned that lesson? Which one? <laughs> Just about keep going. Try honestly, keep, you know. I think when I when I really look back on and I'm trying to diagnose that question, it actually goes back to my father and just watching him from a distance from a distance because he never told me that he loved me, never told me that he was proud of me. That's changed recently. But as I was growing up, he never did. And I asked my mom, I said, why is it like that? And she got so upset. And she said, mm-hmm. he loves you so much. Don't you see how hard he works and all this stuff? And my dad is my hero for that because I watched him sacrifice. And this is what I don't agree with, but I did learn this from him is he sacrificed all of his hopes, his dreams and ambitions to make sure that we were good. He broke his body every day for 30 something years just to make sure that we had exactly what we needed always. And so through that, as I knew and I watched him come home hurt, there's times because he was a mechanic. I watched him come home with busted up fingers and blood running down his running down his leg and everything else. I've watched him be beat up and then I've just watched him persevere. I've watched him still take care of the house. I've watched him still be out there with the weed eater on the weekends, even though he needed to rest. I just watched this, the older generation, I watched them persevere through so much more hardship than I've ever experienced that it gives me perspective that what I'm going through may be really isn't that bad. Nice. And that's where I picked that up from. Very cool. Good deal. So we also talk about leadership. Um, What do you look for in a leader? What I look for in a leader is the, the right culture. Because I believe that you can train anyone to do anything. But if you don't have the right culture, the right mentality, then uh, you can't train that. And this is one of the biggest things that I've watched in the hiring process as a manager and in the hiring process of, of being a business owner. Are you the right person? Mentality-wise, culture-wise, do you fit the culture? Because if they were someone who they would talk a big game, but their resume is right there in front of me, and it's like, you've had six jobs in the last six months, so something's off. And then especially if all you talk about is how bad the last boss was and how bad the boss before that was. Right. I just sit there and I think about it from a logical standpoint. 
is instead of being in emotion, just go stand in the, the corner of logic and just think objectively, what is the main denominator here? Every single job has been that job, but it hadn't been you. And it's everywhere you go that it's not you, it's them. Yeah. That lets me know that there probably is an issue, underlying issue with that person. They could be the greatest worker, have the best experience of all time, and I will not hire them because I know that there's an underlying mindset that is keeping them from where they need to go. And that's the same thing when I look at manager-wise. When being a manager, I was able to hire a manager, which was cool. Actually, and in business, we were able to hire managers. Is Are they a good leader of people? Do they actively seek to help the other people around them before giving the responsibility? Right. Because if they're actively seeking to help everyone and not just like, oh, let me just do your work for you is no, how can I make your life easier by giving you a piece of information, by pouring into you, by shadowing you? How can I give you a better, how can I go talk to the boss to build a new system, to do something in a way that helps you without getting paid for it? Right. Once I find that quality in somebody, then I just nurture it. I don't immediately hire them, but I'll nurture it. I give them a little bit of responsibility. I'll let them test it and just see how it goes. But that the only reason you have that is because their culture is right. Their mentality is right. Yeah, but like you said, you hire for that mentality. Yes. You can exactly. teach them the mechanics, right? Yep. We always talk about the uh, there's knowledge, skills, and uh, attitude, right? Knowledge, book learning. Skills is putting that book learning to use. That Those things you can teach. That attitude, if they don't have the right attitude, Mm-mm. doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. There was a when I was still in corporate, there was there were so many people that I turned away who had the experience, and there were so many people that I hired that had no experience because I can train you how to do the mundane tasks, mm-hmm. but if you don't have the right attitude, if you're going to be the the bad apple in the whole bunch, I can't let you spoil everyone. Yeah, and that was a big key that I had to learn early on taking over as a manager. They they put me in a position where I was taking over a facility that was basically a dumpster fire for lack of a better term. And no one could turn it around. And I walked in there and I turned it around because in in the matter of months and the way that I did that, no one could understand how I did that was a, I did not just sit and sit behind my desk. I was invested with them. I was working with them. I, I cared about what they cared about. I hurt when they hurt and they felt that it was different. I got their buy-in just because I knew what the pains were. And then over time, I learned who the bad apples were and I weeded them out. And then I hired good people in with the right culture. And then it just thrived after that for a while. That's authentic. Before I transitioned out. (laughs) Yeah. That is authentic leadership though. Right. You know what it's like, the empathetic, we talk about different types of courage. One of them is the empathetic courage, understanding what it feels like, but saying, Hey, I I know how this, it sucks, (laughs) but together we can do this. We can get through this you know, and to be able to work with them at that level, the intellectual courage to be able to set aside the the current knowledge or the knowledge you currently have and long held beliefs to make room for brand new knowledge because there's always new stuff coming in. A lot of yep. times that's scary for some bosses to not know the answer to something. They think they have to be the smartest person yes. in the room. You have to be able to say, hey, I'm not sure, but we'll work it out together. We'll figure it out. You know. Yes, I love that. That was the biggest term. That is the most powerful term you could ever find as a manager is I don't know because you don't know everything you don't and allowing them to know that you don't know but you're going to figure it out if they when when my team would come to me I and they would say hey what about this and I wouldn't know I'll say I don't know but I'll find out and I'll get back to you by Tuesday or give me two three days and I'll get you that answer and then I would come back with that answer they would be over the moon nobody's going to look at you sideways or look at you as a as stupid if you go and tell them, I don't know, but I'm going to learn. No. Nobody knows everything. And I do. I love that because it really is. You have to empathize with the people that you have. And then you have to nurture the people along. You can't just be heavy handed and iron fist them to where you want them to be. You actually have to nurture them. Exactly. You have to empathize with the pain. How do you work through that pain with them? How do you actually reduce the pain if possible? And then at the same time is nurturing them to be the best they can be and Something that most managers miss too is don't just nurture them to be the best they can be in that role. Is how do you nurture them to be a leader to transition out? Right. Everyone wants the opportunity to grow. No one wants to be stuck at a ceiling. So you have to find each person's individual talents, mm-hmm. their each individual skill set, and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do with you to help you go there. And once you get that buy-in with them that you care about not only how they feel now, but how 
they feel for their future and for their family, you, you got them all the way around. Yeah. Yeah, And uh, I love it because you're saying stuff that a lot of managers miss altogether. It's, you can't just dictate here's where you're going and how things are going to work. You need to talk to your employees. What's most important to them? How can you help them achieve what they're looking for so that they can then help you achieve what you're after? Right. If you help them grow and help them learn, they're going to put more into the business and stuff and everybody wins. Oh, hundred percent. And I've watched that. I watched that. I took the same team that no one else could get them to do anything. I took that same team to where they were, they were on average working 16 hours within two months. I had them working 10, same team. And we actually had more stuff going on. There wasn't anything different except I had their buy-in and they knew I cared because not only there was I out there on the floor with them and guiding them, I would, I would actually work with them and I would, and I proved to them instead, because I had, Funny enough, I had my boss's boss try to do the same thing where he came in and tried to work, but he didn't understand the work. So he was just in the way. And you're not going to get the people's buy-in if you are working and slowing all of them down. Right. You have to show them that. We're standing off to the side watching. Exactly. It's like, I've not only been here, I can do exactly what you do at the same level. And once they they saw that and and they realized that, and I was putting it all out there. I was doing everything I could to just like not only be just as good, but to be a, just a step ahead. So they believed in me. Then everyone bought in because they're like, oh, he understands. He's not just saying he understands. He actually understands. He's actually doing stuff that no that we don't even know how he's doing it. And that gave them buy-in not only because of my skill set, but because they knew that I was actually leading from the front instead of just being behind them, trying to push them ahead. Right. They're not They're not sled dogs. Yeah. I'm not trying to whip them and make them do something. I'm actually right. want to guide them along like a, like almost like a herd of ducks. Yeah. You got to be the head of, of them and lead them along and they have to trust you or, or else they're just going to wander off. Very cool. Um, So in your, your current company, do you have, how many employees do you have? It's just me and my wife right now. Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. But, and the companies you worked in before, how many people did you have? So we had six, to? the other, the other businesses, we had six. Okay. Very cool. Um, if I was to bump into any of those folks and ask them what type of leader you are, what do you think they'd say? What kind of leader are you? Caring would be the first word, because even after we transitioned away from doing e-commerce and we let go of that entire team, it was not something where we were just like, you know what, we're not going to do it anymore. It was very painful. Like these are people that have been with us for years they had been working with my wife in the Amazon business in 2018. So when we let them go in 2022, this is four years. Wow. And it was not an easy decision. But even after we tra- made that hard transition, because we don't do e-commerce anymore, is we actually continued to pay our employees for the next month and a half. Hmm. Because we knew we knew not only them, we knew about their families. We knew how some of them had family living with them. We We've done it. In a couple different ways, we actually were paying them and we helped them find employment. Oh. And because I don't want to be that person who just, oh, sorry, you just out in the wind. It's like, yeah. no, I, it doesn't matter if I'm the owner. I know what it feels like to be the employee. I know what it feels like to sit there and have people depending on you. Awesome. So instead of just putting you out in the wind, we gave them a month and a half advance notice this was coming to let them get ready. And then as we started transitioning, when we we did like a staggered where we mm-hmm. let go of certain people at a certain time, and then we let go of the last person last. And that way they could find employment. And we were still paying each one of them continuously. And then the people who didn't find employment, we helped them find employment. I just want to be the person who they know cares. Nice. I want you to know if you bump into them that they would say, oh, he cares. Him and his wife care. And we, we know that they would feel that way because I could call up any of them right now and say, hey, we have an opportunity. And they would quit their job now to join us. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Very cool. Good job. So what's next for you? I mean, you've, you've been through a lot already. You've done a lot yes. already. What's next? What's next is just growing this company for now. Right now, it is, and here's something that I want to say too to everyone is I have this bigger overarching vision of growing a business to $100 million a year. That's the long term. Is this going to be the thing that gets to 100 million a year? Maybe not. But you have to reiterate as you go. You can't just say, this has to be the one thing that's going to take me to my dreams. I don't know if anyone has really said this one thing. Like, even if you look at Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, it hasn't just been one thing. If you look at Elon Musk, it's not PayPal that took him to where he is now. He had to reiterate. And so, with that being said, is it's truly 
with this business and this business model is helping as many people as we can at a high level so they can go return and help other people and then scaling this business to however far we can scale it and then reiterating to a bigger place. Because at each stage, once you get to a million, you have to change the way you think because what got you to a million won't get you to 10. Once you get to 10, whatever got you to 10 won't get you to 20 and won't get you to 50 and won't get you to 100. You cannot think the same way. So for for us, it's really just growing it from where we got it right now to a million a year and then making that mental transition and seeing what has to change. What do we have to do to be able to continue to scale it? Good deal. Very cool. Good stuff. All right. So if people want to learn more about you and your products and services and stuff like that, how can they do that? What's your website? So our website is holoco.com slash challenges. You go there and you can learn, you can learn some about the challenges. You can learn some about our story. And then there's right there is attached to my calendar. That is me. Like if anyone hears this and you click on that, it will schedule a call with me, not my top sales guy, not a VA, not someone overseas. It will be right. me. And the reason why is I not just to make it a sales call. I actually want to make it a value call. If you get on the phone with me, if you find a link to get on a call with me through Instagram or Facebook, those are the other couple of really good ones, is I'm not trying to sell you anything. If I can help you with it, then I would love to partner with you and help you. If it's not for you, then I'm going to point you in the right direction because I want everyone to win. There's there's enough. Our, our government is literally printing money. So there's enough to go around right now where I don't have to hoard what I have. I don't have to hoard connections. I don't have to hoard ideas for fear that it's going to be stolen. So that's my mindset going into it. But yes, holocode.com slash challenges, Facebook, Instagram, look for the dude who kind of looks like Jason Momo. With, <laughs> and then that's probably going to be me. And yeah, if you reach out to me in any of those capacities, uh, that will be me and I will get right back to you. Very cool. Good job. All right. I'll make sure that that link is down in the uh, the show notes. I'll put your LinkedIn profile uh, cool. yeah. also in there so people can reach out and connect with you. Steven, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk with us. Really appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you having me out and just giving me the opportunity to to speak not only to you, but to your audience. And for anyone listening, I hope that you got one thing. If you got one thing from this, that's truly the reason why I'm here. I just want to help anyone and everyone get that one next step to help them have their own breakthrough. Exactly. Very cool. Good job. All right, listeners, hope you guys were taking lots of notes because there were a lot of good good things here. And from somebody so young, they have that mindset already as, as a leader. That's awesome. Very cool. Good job. Thank you. Um, so yeah, make sure uh, you share this with your family, friends, and colleagues, and give us a review when you guys listen to this. Make sure you put some reviews out there because those are always helpful. And uh, yeah, share it with family, friends, colleagues, and then stick around because there's always more coming. And that's it for me, Coach Harlan, saying so long for now. <laughs>